can't get enough tabletop role-playing game zines? Subscribe to Broke Games Patreon to get a new print or digital role-playing game zine every month. Our zines are filled with modular dungeons, wild magic items, unique procedures, and inspiring spark tables. This month's zine takes place in a floating goblin fortress torn by competing factions. Will you support the Goblin King, join the Resistance, or restore the tunnels to their creator, the Grub Mother? Play Gabico, the Floating Goblin Fortress, to find out. Subscribe at patreon.com slash games or buy direct at brokehoodgames.com. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Loga the Barbarian. And today I'm joined by Sarah and Dan from Planar Compass. Welcome. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. No doubt, no doubt. Now, it's good to have you on again. And if you haven't heard previous episodes where they've been on and where we've reviewed and talked about and looked at Planar Compass, I strongly suggest listeners go back and check it out. I'm a big Planar Compass fan. And it's some cool stuff. And we're going to talk about, well, we talked about talking about running a planar campaign, correct? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, thank you again for all your, uh, you know, su- your support of us. We greatly appreciate it. We're big fans of yours. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm a big fan of yours. So it works out perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll tell you where I'm at, like when it comes mm-hmm. to the planar campaign thing. I have ran a lot of campaigns in the past, specifically with like the manual of the planes, some of the planescape stuff, but often I've taken my own bent to it and done it differently than they have in certain ways. Now, the planes are weird and crazy and there's all kinds of interesting things. And I'm not even sure where to start in talking about doing a planar campaign, but I have a lot that I want to address. <laughs> okay, for sure. Any suggestions where we should start in, in tackling this subject? Yeah, well, I guess um, the question is always like, are you going to use you know predefined lore or are you going to create your own multiverse is, is step one to me i like creating stuff so that's usually what i go i don't really stick too close to anything anyone else has written i use it for a starting point often i think i've often kind of rode the line there where i i get into reading the lore and how they do it mm-hmm. and, and i like I'd like to, here's one thing I wanted to look at is, is, is some of the concepts that they have in D and D about different planes. Like there's the ethereal plane, there are inner planes, there's elemental planes. And then you get into like quasi elemental planes and stuff like that. Right now. That's a lot of things to throw at somebody once. Cause even when you sit down and read the manual of the planes, it's kind of difficult to remember for me sometimes what they're talking about, where and what's called what. It, it's it's a little convoluted of a mythology. Yeah. Well, and also with that particular book, which is one of my favorites, it's probably one of my biggest points of inspiration in terms of a TSR product. But it's also one of the most academic of the D&D books, I think. <laughs> it's very high level. And I don't know how much of it is actually usable and how much of it is filler but there's fascinating stuff and it's such a weird book because so much of it are these abstract 
graphics trying to convey a concept, which I find really interesting, but I don't entirely understand what they mean half the time. So here's what I have a problem with sometimes when running some of these. Yeah. Like I, before, well, here, there are elemental planes. So then I feel like I'm jumping ahead of myself addressing this. Like you have the elemental plane of earth mm -hmm. and it's not earth like our round ball it's just earth like the dirt and the ground and the right. minerals and it's just a salt like the an entire universe of solid ground and earth there's no <laughs> up and down you can't really walk anywhere because everything is is earth yeah right. and one of the things they say in the manual of the planes is one of the ways to get through it is to dig and get your pickaxe and dig through now, my question is, if you're just in solid earth, you got that space you're digging through, where's the other dirt going when you're throwing it behind you? <laughs> yeah, there's like, I think that if you take a lot of the stuff by exactly how it's presented, it's some of it's like not functional, you know, it's more like it's more conceptual, but um, it would be a great place to drop somebody that you didn't want to see again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure. think that's, I think you got a point. That's one of the probably one of the most useful things of. The, el the plane of elemental earth or you like so there's the elemental planes but they have quasi-elemental planes where you have the yeah. elements that meet and one of those is somewhere between earth and fire you have a like a like a plane of lava and magma yeah i mean you really want to screw someone up that's probably the place to send them in <laughs> the universe of just pure molten magma yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting too is we take i think for D, &D we take the multiverse presented for granted and there's different versions of it you know depending on the setting but they're all essentially just variations of gygax's multiverse but we we kind of take it for granted that that's it but it's actually setting that's built right into the core books but if you think about it it's it's pretty it's pretty strong setting because it's implying that there are multiple dimensions there are ways to travel to the dimensions it's normal for a D&D game to have this. And then, as you said, there's elemental planes. So that's saying something about the nature of the universe, that there, this, this multiverse has these four core elements, right? So that's getting into a philosophical and cosmological idea about the fiction of this. One of the things we, I, wanted to do with, I wanted to do with Planar Compass, but we didn't do originally because we were trying to be BX compatible, and there are some elemental references in the bx so we didn't want to invalidate them so there's references to the elemental fire there's references to elemental air in the bx text so we stuck with those but i always thought it'd be interesting to do an alternate set of elemental planes because that implies something about that setting right what your core elements are is it weird is it scary is it whatever so we did like a multiverse generator as a stretch goal for the down we go kickstarter campaign that plus one xp did and one of the things we sarah and i did for that is we did very different elemental planes so i think we had like the elemental plane of salt and the elemental plane of flesh and yeah. making it like really much more disturbing the no, there, were, there were like yeah there were like two other uh, planes where things were two-dimensional and you could like roll people up <laughs> All kinds of weird stuff. It's like the Nickelodeon plane. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very flatland material. Oh snap! And I, I was going to say in regards to the uh, to the to the the one of flesh. I mean, I think I'd be pulling out those Meatlandia books to, to kind of. Right. Adjust. <laughs> <laughs> and Rifts has the, a multiverse in the Palladium universe. Yeah, and they have that one book. It's one of the one of the early dimension books they did was Wormwood. And it's everything is made of flesh growing around it. Like the, the world you walk on is fleshy and everything. It's yeah. kind of gross the way they describe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things about these, the different elements. So let, let's let's rewind a bit. Yeah. And I want to go back to what's a couple of the basics. Mm -hmm. Let's just go before we even talk about the planes. When this stuff started coming out, 87, you start having different realms like you've got for you've got. Uh, so you would have had what realms would you, you have? Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms. You probably would have had Dragonlance. Eventually, you get to a point when we have Planescape and everything else. You got Spelljammers, you know, you got Dark Sun, Ravenloft, so on and so forth. All these different realms. And what D&D did at the time was, was they made a whole new world and whole new universe for each of these flavors of game. Mm -hmm. One thing that I liked when I checked out Pathfinder when that came out was that you had an actual world with different cultures in it and different like parts of the world. So you didn't have to leave from another reality to go have your... yeah scary moment you could just go to that country you know that's that's that much like our world is now yeah there's definitely a certain element to a multiverse setting where it gets a little bit like star wars where like there's just a monolithic theme for whatever the location is like ice or desert or whatever and that can get kind of boring but it's challenging to do that i think when you're doing with dimensions because how do you define dimension if the dimension has a tremendous amount of depth and variety, then then what is the defining aspect of that dimension, you know, or is it just a different version of earth? Maybe that's not even worth exploring. Yeah. If there's already a fantasy earth that you've got. What do you need a second one for? If it's not substantially different from the first one, if we're talking about a whole other dimension, it seems that a lot of things could just be another planet as opposed to another reality. Right. I think what gets really weird is like the way they talk about the interplanar travel. So you've got like an ethereal, the ethereal plane, mm -hmm. which is I'm not even sure how to begin to explain. It's the it's a it's a place between places almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can dip in the border of different realities through it. Yeah. It's described as being a lot of times smoky and clouded. And the way you travel in there in the ethereal plane, your travel is not the same as we travel now, like a straight line. And this is something we recently kind of talked about uh, from a Dragon Mag article that we went over. I think we touched on some of this light and I a few weeks ago. And this ethereal plane exists and connects all the different other planes. But when you get to elemental planes, they're literally planes that are filled with that element. And, and it starts with the four core elements that we're familiar with. But I like what you brought up. Those are kind of just human defined categories there's nothing yeah. like scientifically that backs up that those four elements are the elements and why they should be limited to that right it's like a bunch of greek dudes 
two to three thousand years ago decided these are the four components of the universe and they still we still use them in fantasy to this day you know it's a very influential concept i think one way to approach a plane might be to question what are the elements you to another world what are the core elements of that world if they're crossing over back and forth like you mentioned salt i'm not sure what other ones i can think of besides salt meat (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely it's it's hard when you go when you get elemental right when we did when we constructed the multiverse for player compass i only ever thought of there being four elemental planes the classic ones and then when i would listen to people talk about issue two they would talk about some of the planes being elemental planes like the plane of darkness is being an elemental plane plane of death is being elemental and i never thought of it that way when we were writing it but it ended up being very fascinating it was almost like okay the way we're doing this because these planes are so simple and distilled they are actually elemental they're just we're not thinking of them in the classical elemental sense but if you distill something down to a single thing and that is the nature of the dimension then it is by definition elemental we've broken it down to its base element and that only really occurred to me after we had already written all that stuff it seems like if you were really into chemistry you could break down the table of elements and if we're talking about elements you know the table of elements and and there were really planes of an entire element you yeah. know there's a plane of magnesium there's the plane of uranium <laughs> there's the plane of, so right. like, might be a more realistic way to approach it i don't know yeah. <laughs> plane of carbon right Plane of, a plate of phosphorus. There we Something go. In, incredibly combustible. Does it, isn't phosphorus the one that smells real bad? Or is yeah, that, you're right. It's yeah. it's is it which is the one where in high school they have you light? Is it magnesium that they like light and it's it's once it's ignited it's it's like blindingly brilliant. Oh yeah, I, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of sulfur is the one that I'm thinking of. This oh yeah, no, that's that that's sulfur for sure. I'm sure plenty of sulfur and whatever demonic hells exists. That's another thing too. When you start looking at the planes, we're not okay. First, we're talking about base elements, but then also these are places where gods and demons live. Yeah. So, what do you do with all that and running a campaign, having adventures in that? And some of those, like I said, like we had said, the plane of Earth might only be good for dumping someone off to die. <laughs> right. Or, or you know, the the planer stuff a lot of times can be used as, you know, a plot device within your default setting without actually having to do any planes hopping. You could do uh, the existential threat of a plane pouring in to your native plane and you having to deal with it. what What happens when a hole in the universe opens and, and fire is pouring out nonstop from an infinite source of fire? How do you deal with that? Maybe that's not such an OSR adventure because <laughs> there's not much going down into a dungeon to get treasure for that, but it still might be something interesting to work with, you know. I think the more OSR take would be to use um, entering a small portal of another plane in order to solve a problem. Yeah. You know, like this boat's taken on water. Let's dump it somewhere else. When it comes to like the, the dimensions of like, let's take, fire and air are too perfect to look at. So fire is difficult to go into as a plane because it's hot. 
<laughs> and we're made of meat and <laughs> when meat meets fire it cooks and yes. it's it doesn't work as well it's good for eating at that point but it's not so great for running around so right. <laughs> it's the kebab plane now <laughs> the kebab plane. <laughs> it's tasty and <laughs> but there's pockets of one of the things they talk about in the manual planes or how in these planes, there are pockets that seep in from other elemental planes. So you can get little things like one of the things is in, in the plane of fire. There's a place they call the city of brass. Yeah. And there have been plenty of there have been campaigns written about it, adventures written about the city of brass. This is where the Efreets live. Mm-hmm. The Efreets and Jen, I believe both are supposed to be kind of from this. I think the jinn are from the plane of air. I think I might be wrong though. I think you could be right, and it and it could just vary from. Because I've got three planar handbooks here. I brought with me two of them. I haven't been looking through. I, I, I just skimmed. I went back through the manual of the planes a little bit to kind of bone up on a few things. But like by the time you get to third edition, they had a manual of the planes and. It, it, it changed some things in there a little bit from what it was. Yeah. And then even Pathfinder put out their own. And then now we're seeing all kinds of cool stuff come out of like from Planar Compass to other people putting out stuff involving creating other worlds. And, mm-hmm. and we have uh, actually by the time this airs, I think it should be around the time we spoke with someone named Huffa. And they have a they have a zine, a series of zines or a book that's coming out as a series of zines. It's all about creating these bizarre extra planar type worlds. It's some interesting random charts worth looking at. Nice. That sounds awesome. And uh, lots of stuff. It's a game on its own, but then it has all these elements to it. And, and it just comes up with. I think what's what I'm seeing a strength in within like the NSR and the OSR and people coming out with stuff and different books I've seen. Like one book I have is Skycrawl. We, we reviewed Downcrawl in here. I haven't had a chance to review Skycrawl, but I look at that book and I'm like, this would be perfect for the elemental plane of air because mm-hmm. it's just you're fly, go, crawling, you're crawling through the sky every which way. And there's pockets of little worlds that are formed differently. And like I said, there's pockets where other pieces of the elements seep into these planes. And like they're talking about in the manual planes, like you'll find a pocket of earth where a little city will exist floating through the air or something like that. Mm-hmm. The more pockets of other elements you have in a plane that's like an earth plane or an airplane or airplane <laughs> i get it I, I totally wasn't expecting that <laughs> anyhow bad dad jokes so <laughs> when you're in your airplane and you run into a little bit of uh, like a clump of earth where a little city has formed you know that's easier to kind of work with to make a game run yeah that's how I've always kind of approached that kind of thing. Now that you mention it, that 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 um that makes me think of low life. Have you heard of low life at all? It's it's instructions and rules for how to play with tunneling and caving in tight spaces and mechanics for that, which would actually make the plane of elemental earth quite fascinating. There's so much. There's like blowing things up in dynamite, but like there's a lot of like tunneling is is and being in tight spaces is very it's it's really it's 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 harrowing actually because i played it and it's it's very much 
um, you feel cramped and you feel like you have to make choices before you like lose air. It's, it would, I think it would actually be really, really good for if you found yourself on the plane of elemental earth. I think that's something I need to look up because it sounds like they've kind of cracked the code of being being able to play on the plane of elemental earth. Who it was that made it? I want to say Sam something. I have and now I feel up. terrible for not remembering. Oh, we'll have to Google it. We'll have to Google it. If I got to Google up, I'm pulling my I'm pulling my internet's up. Let's see here, my <laughs> browser. And I'm gonna find out who did low live. L O W L I F E, right? R P G. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. Sam Sorensen. It's and it's like it's a real pretty zine too. Oh, there's an L F O S R version. Of course there is. Oh, at, uh, low life at LFOSR for Sam Sorensen. So Sam, who did I say that wrong? And no, Sorensen. I think that's correct. But it's yeah, tunneling, trenches, mines, caving, climbing. It would actually like really make elemental earth very usable material. Yeah, like there's a couple spells that they suggest in these that are used, and they are. Sometimes it seems very limiting because I know how long spells last most of the time. It's like, okay, so I've got a few minutes. I can have an open area in this and then it's going to collapse on me. Right. That's what you're going to run into a lot of times. So running those elemental worlds without like thinking of low life sounds like something I want to take a look at for ideas on how to go into the plane of elemental earth. That's going to work with Earth, but the plane of magma, I don't know how that's workable. <laughs> yeah. Hand-waving. Magical <laughs> hand-waving. <laughs> it's going to be a rule of cool all the way down the line. Yeah, you, I mean, at a point, you just have to make up some ring or random magic items. This will allow you to walk around in the plane of magma <laughs> unharmed. <laughs> exactly. and, and go with it. But yeah. At the end of the day, kind of the fact, I think that kind of the fact that you can't go to these places, they aren't maneuverable. They aren't the kind of a world that you're able to just kind of like go travel and check it out, kind of makes it interesting. It's like the whole thing where I sometimes feel that what you don't see can be more intriguing than what you're able to see or experience. Those legendary, like when I was growing up, I loved Doctor Who and largely because a lot of the lore was never told and it was very secretive like who is doctor who really what is the past and you got glimpses of it but you could never quite figure it out and mm. never quite go there and see it now that's changed in newer years <laughs> but yeah they they really let you know all about Gallifrey now yeah they let you know everything now but i was really into just the the stuff that you don't know like fascinated me about it it made my imagination go wild yeah i mean it's very interesting too that you because like I think you're hitting on a point which is the elemental planes, at least as they were in the late 70s and 80s, are essentially not places to go to, right? And I think that's probably how they originally were back in the mid-70s when Gary was making up all this stuff. But if you read the manual of the planes, they're quite detailed. So why Mike, I guess the question is why spend five pages on a plane that there's almost no reason to go there. I mean, the plane of fire, as you said, there's like the city of brass, but why would you go to the plane of earth? So why are there four pages on it or whatever? I'm going to, I'm going to give some, cause I'm going to go back to something that you had said earlier. 
And I'm going to tell about what I'm wanting to do with the campaign that we're getting ready to start up here. Mm-hmm. I've been gathering zines and books and everything and looking at which ones I want to use when we run this campaign. I'm going to hopefully bring in a lot of cool stuff. But one of the overall concepts of this, I'm going to have everybody, we're going to make our own world collaboratively and start that way. But one of the ideas or the, the, the ways this realm or this world or this prime, we haven't even mentioned the term prime material plane, have we? <laughs> one of the, the way this prime material plane <laughs> exists is that it, when it comes to gods, is that gods gain power, like, like growth through their followers, through their worshipers. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the regions of um, like more rural regions, those gods are kind of petty gods, but in large metropolitan areas they're kind of major gods so however many followers you have is going to determine how powerful a god is and one of the things that i'm playing with here is that demons are essentially gods trying to come in from another plane or from another realm and what's going to occur what i'm hoping to do is that when they come in the difference between the physics and the reality or the, or even the, what's the word? Um, the element of the plane is going to be what causes problems when they come here. Mm. So a cult will worship them, but there'll be, if it's coming from a plane of magma or fire, guess what? The world can burn, you know, type <laughs> thing. Right. That's kind of a thing I want to do with this campaign as a drive. So you have, you, you ask like, like, what can you do with a plane you can't go to? I think it could be interesting, like you said, the blowing the fire out. If you've got stuff coming from the plane of elemental earth and magma and other places, because things exist in there that are coming out here, elementals and everything else. And you're having that crossover and having to deal with that as they come into here. Well, maybe there's more to it, like they're leaking in here, but you have to deal with what's on that other side of the plane and stop it. (laughs) It's not what's going, it's what's coming. (laughs) Yeah. So what? how do you deal with this? All the cults are worshiping this to bring that greater power out. How do you stop that? And I'd like to give them a reason to have to dip their toe into it a little bit <laughs> maybe go to what was it low life and be like how are we going to dig through elemental earth <laughs> right no it's definitely i i think there's something really alluring about the the ideas like there's something that like i've always i was already always instantly drawn to in ever since i first got into D was the planes and I don't, I don't know what it is. And it's all, whenever I played, I would, I would always kind of want to seek that out as a player. And then whenever I wrote, it would invariably be an element of whatever I wrote. And I think that you do have to cross the portals in order for it to be meaningful. But it, it's tricky to figure out what that's like. Um, have it be a game and have it still be fun without being cumbersome, but also having it be a meaningful change. Because again. Otherwise, it's just like hopping planets in Star Wars where it's like, all right, well, it's, you know, it's just a different theme. Because if you think about it, like the way um, multiverses are sometimes portrayed, it could just be one big flat Earth with a huge amount of variety. You know, a, 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 an Earth with a literal fireland and, and a waterland and an airland. But it's almost like that's maybe a place where people can't, suspend disbelief like that's too cartoony or too fantastical so that's where because the 
the portals are almost science fiction, right? Like, I don't know if there's really a classical fantasy root for that. The concept of, I, mean, I guess there's like, you know, Dante's Inferno, maybe. Dante yeah, there's, yeah, there's like, there, there's the afterlife, the other realm, and some, some cosmologies, but that's usually just like an adjacent place. But I don't know of how much classical, you know, pre science fiction fantasy and mythology actually touches on multiple different realities that you would go to it's usually something adjacent or just beyond the border you know it's not usually you know a plethora and so i think that's a very modern concept so it's it's one of those examples like it's interesting that it's in dnd at all because it was a choice and it's now become a big part of um you know classic role-playing fantasies yeah, and the uh, the idea of a multiverse has become, like, I remember these ideas when I was younger. They weren't the most popular or widely spoken right. about, but, like, some of the biggest movies coming out right now, like Marvel movies and DC movies going on about multiple universes and multiverses and, and things along those lines. I going to say, I think, like, I don't know if this is cynical, but I think, like, from a Hollywood perspective, it might just be easier to do multiverses because then you can pretty much justify anything yeah and you can right? just recast and i have to you recast <laughs> you know, four four spider-men in the same movie you know and it's it's all good here's the thing too i'm gonna be 100 percent honest when you're running a DD campaign it's easy to do multiverses and planes because you can justify anything as well <laughs> that's a big point in fact sarah was always i think pushing that in the construction of issue two is this this is a really not lazy, but this is a shortcut to uh, doing the things you want to do because, like, we expressly say in issue two, use Dolmenwood, use Meatlandia, you know, use Bolton's door because when you're running a multiverse, you can do all the settings you want to do. It might get a little jarring if you, you know, depending on which setting it is adjacent to what, you know, might be a little weird to go directly from planar compass into old Ten's door because there's a, there's a tone shift right but if your party if your if your players are into that and they're able to kind of roll with the punches and you can create some kind of transitions to help them adjust with that tonal shift the tone shift and the genre shift is is just it feels like there's there's this this short passage in The Dark Tower by Stephen King where they're having a conversation where somebody is telling a story and they say, you know, well, hey, I thought this was a Western. And they're like, it's, you know, do they not have like stories with different genres where you come from? It's a stew. You know, there could be fantasy in there. There could be Western in there. It could be a Bible story in there. There could be like all of these things. And it really, you know, the excuse to be able to do anything is awesome but it's really about curating the content that you want to bring to your table you know especially especially when it comes to the amount of stuff that you can actually keep in your brain <laughs> and then present to your friends at the table i'll tell you what we're about on time there's a lot we haven't covered like traveling through planes um a lot of the in-between planes like the astral plane and stuff like that and there's a lot i want to say on it uh, still that i haven't even begun to touch on so we're going to have another episode tomorrow. If you listen today, this is this should be coming out on a Saturday. The next should be coming out on a Sunday is my plan. So as we're closing, could you all give the listeners an idea where they can find Planar Compass online and the stuff you all are putting out? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, the easiest way 
is to go to plantercompass.com. Uh, you can see our various zines on there with links to both digital and physical stores to buy from. I just real quick before I close, I want to thank Todd, Rabbi, Omer, John, Mike T, Richard, Huffa, Jim, Kyle, Michael, Cameron, Rory. All of you, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. Wobblies and Wizards, just search us on Facebook. We're pretty active there. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. Any support you can give us would be greatly appreciated. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.